Hello, everyone. Hello, one and all. Hello, hello, hello. And this is sort of a welcome back to Pastor Hicks podcast. It was called the Sunday Recap, and it's been a long time. But I'm grateful to God for the opportunity to come back and share a couple of thoughts with you based off of sermonic moments. Again, my name is Pastor Clayton Hicks. I am the pastor of Resurgence Church located in Philadelphia at 1738 West Atlantic Street. And our mission statement is it's, our mission statement is the following. Yes, I made a little flub. It's been two years since I came back on the podcast. And our mission statement says this. We strive to release the power of God's love and redemption through Jesus Christ as we rise in worship, as we are renewed through our reconnection to God and each other. And as you reveal the communities that we are called to serve, rise, renew, and rebuild. And for the rest of 2020, um, this is September the 22nd on the date of this podcast. Rest of 2020, our theme for this year has been launching out and going deeper. So I'm going to read a text and I want to talk to you a little bit from the subject of hold on. I'm going to read a text. And the text is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And I pray and I hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Um, share it on all media platforms. Let your friends know about it. Those who used to listen, let them know I'm back. And um, Past Six Podcast is ready to go. Again, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Scriptures. And it says... Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let me read that one more time. Again, John 14, 1 through 6 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, but I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In the preaching moment, on the Sunday that I preached this about two weeks ago, I, I was given the title from the Lord, Hold On. I'm given the title, Hold On. I want to encourage you for the next couple of minutes to just give a listen. Let us encourage you to continue wherever state you're in. If it's holding on to positive, it's holding on to your dreams, holding on to the vision God has given you, persevering through a tough time, through a tough season. This is going to be recorded Um, in the middle of a pandemic and prior to the election of a new president and in the middle of social and 
continual racial unrest in our country. So I'm speaking to numerous demographics, um, but the word of God is encouraging us to hold on. So when I talk about hold on, I'm not talking about hold on, meaning hold on to the other line. Hold on it so, so somebody will get back to you for a conversation. I'm literally meaning hold on when you feel like giving up. Hold on when you feel like letting go. We normally hear it in a cinematic moment in the movies where someone says, hold on, I'm going to get help. And hold on is the only thing they can tell you to do because they can't do anything else. Hold on, things will get better. Hold on, don't lose hope. Hold on, you'll be all right. And it's one thing when we're on the giving portion of that phrase and we're telling somebody else to hold on. But it's another thing when we have to receive that phrase from someone else. And sometimes you're thinking, man, is that the only thing you can tell me? Hold on. Like it hurts right now, but you want me to hold on. I didn't expect life to be this way. And it feels like the walls are closing in and you want me to hold on. I'm currently doing the right thing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and life is hitting me. Where did this this current storm come from? And you're asking me to hold on. And it's one thing when man is asking to hold on. It's another thing when we believe God is asking us and telling us to hold on and not let go of his promises, not let go of our faith. If a person is asking me to hold on, I don't think I can. But if God is requesting me in his word to hold on, then I'll try to endure. If a person is asking me to hold on, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it for them. But if God is compelling me to hold on to his word, I got I to gotta continue to hold on. And this text speaks to Christ asking his disciples to hold on despite what's going on around them. And hold on because Jesus is the way and hold on because Christ is their best option. And the question for us as we listen, something you might want to consider is how do you hold on when times are rough? How do you hold on when times are difficult? So John 14 opens up at a tense moment among Jesus and his disciples. Judas is already ready to betray Christ. Jesus knows that the father had put all things under his power. He starts to serve the disciples in a weird way. He's Lord, he's master, but now he starts to serve them by washing their feet. He almost flips the paradigm of what we understand leadership to be. And he lets his disciples know that if you want to be like me, then you must serve. Then he goes into a conversation about his betrayal on the way. Peter, one of his most trusted disciples, says, Lord, where are you going? And then Peter informs Christ that he'll lay down his life for him. And Christ lets him know, Peter, even though you're my zealous son in ministry, you will not only not lay down your life for me, but you're going to disown me three times. In other words, hold on despite of what you know. So the disciples can be thinking this. We just came out of Bethany, Jesus where this woman was anointing your feet and that made us uncomfortable, but we dealt with it. We were excited when you came into Hosanna and triumphant entry. We were excited and we were hyped because we were with you and they they were lifting you up. When you went on to predict your death, Jesus, we thought it was a little bit weird, but that's okay because for somebody that we're just getting to know, Jesus, you, you on the strange side. 
We even stood by you as some Jews believed in you and some couldn't get with the program of you in John 12. But now that we're at this table, you're telling us a couple of things. You're telling us about your death again. You're telling us somebody from our crew is going to betray you. You're telling us that even Peter, one of your chosen three that are always close to you, is not going to just deny you once but three times. It's all overwhelming. And that's when Christ comes in in the beginning of our text with don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, Jesus is saying with everything I'm telling you, hold on despite what you know. Jesus is saying this is going to happen, but I need you to hold on. This is what's coming, but I need you to hold on. I don't need you to let go of your heart. I don't need you to come off your square. I don't need the central part of your being to become weakened in a state of of unrest. I need you to hold on despite of what you're seeing, in spite of everything around you, in spite of all the indicators that would suggest that you need to let go and run away. Somebody listening today knows what it's like to receive bad news, what it's like to receive that doctor's report and not that you're going to pass away, but that your life is significantly altered because now medicine is going to be the order of the day for you. Some of us are listening knows what it's like to have our economy take a hit and that degree that you spent so much time and money for is not turning into the lucrative business venture that you thought it would. Somebody listening understands what it feels like to now have to go back to live with your parents. Or if you are a parent, now your emptiness is being revamped into having your children come home. When the betrayal happens at work and you still have to work with the person. When the spouse is going through changes each and every day. And it's a venture because you don't know who you're going to wake up with that next morning. When life is just occurring and it's not the sunny side of the existence that most folks talk about, but it's the overcast part of your life. And this is now your season or your time to go through a storm just where Jesus is trying to let us know, hold on, despite of what you know. And what we should do in these times is hold on to the word of God, because the word of God has promises in it. That can encourage us in our tough times. Second Chronicles 5, 7 says, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Hold on despite what you know. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, hold on despite what you know. Joshua 1 9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hold on despite what you know. See, that's where your test of faith comes in. That's where your sterner stuff comes in. That's how you develop the strength to make it from day to day when times are difficult. That's when I got to go to my word. When times are difficult, I pray because my peace depends on it. That's how I make it. I ask God to speak to me and I'm honest about my fears because of what's going on around me and what's going on around me is real and tangible and it's pressing me to let go. But I'm grateful for the word of God that encourages me to hold on. But if we're honest, 
There is a place of holding on, but the question is, what am I holding on to? Jesus is talking to a group that consists of fishermen, tax collectors, lawyers, a physician, and men that are used to holding on, but holding on to their own strength and not to faith. What do you do or what do I do when times get rough? Or here's a deeper question. What's our alternative to God? Because what I just said was great. But what is our muscle memory doing when tough times hit? Sometimes we do tell God, I'm holding on, but not to your unchanging hand. But I'm holding on to the trouble or I'm holding on to my own strength. I'm holding on to the fear of what if and not the faith that God is able. I'm holding on to the fear of it's too late to chase my dreams or to fulfill the vision that God has given me for my life and not the reality that God can do anything. I'm holding on to the worry. I'm holding on to the despair. I'm holding on to the doubt and not the truth of the mighty God that we serve. I'm holding on to what I used to be because what I used to be is comfortable. I'm holding on to what I used to do because what I used to do doesn't require faith. It just requires muscle memory. Some of us, we won't let go. We won't move on. We won't transition to the new place that God has for us. And we have a confession to make. Yes, Heavenly Father, we're holding on. Not despite of what I know, but because of my dependency on the crutch of my brokenness. And I never get a chance to transition to a place of not letting my heart be troubled. But my faithfulness or my, my, my faithfulness, my holding on has to grow to the place where it's not situational, but it's steadfast. And I'm willing to hold on no matter what's going on. A couple of examples from the Bible. Moses had to hold on to God, even though he knew he wasn't going to go into the promised land. David had to hold on to still loving the Lord and still believing the Lord, even after his child was allowed to die because of his sins. After his fall from grace, David still decided to get up, wash the ashes from his face and still go worship. In the Bible, a demon possessed man is healed. He held on just in enough time for Christ to come. Jarius in the Bible held on. Jesus healed his daughter just in time. The woman with the issue of blood held on to the belief that if I could just touch the hem of his garment or just a piece of his clothing, I knew there was enough power in God through his son, Jesus the Christ, to move and bless my life. All of these I mentioned had to go through tough times. The disciples that we talked about earlier had to go through tough times. Jesus had to go through tough times. You and I will have to go, will have, to go through tough times ourselves. Second Corinthians 4, 8 says the following, we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. In other words, hold on. Jesus said, I told you that I have to leave. It'll get rough, but I promise that there's real estate on the other side. I told you that somebody's going to betray me. Somebody's going to deny me, but Jesus is saying, I, I promise I'm going to take care of you. I told you that since I'm setting this up and I'm leaving, don't worry, I'll be back and not just for a visit, but so that you can be where I am. I promise I'll bring you into my kingdom. I promise despite the trials, I promise despite the valley of the shadow of death, I promise despite the lion's den or the king's scepter, because of the promise of God, that's encouragement. 
for you, me, hold on despite of what we know. Another thought as we keep on the podcast of Pastor Hicks's podcast, and I thank you for joining me today or this evening, is hold on because Christ knows where we're going. Christ says, you know the way to the place I'm going. On the King, King's, King James Version of the scripture, whither I go, ye know in the way ye know. So I'll hold on because Christ knows where we're going. Christ says that in, in that statement, there's an indicator of expectation. Christ is saying, I'm going and you know how to get there. I'm going, I'll meet you up there. I'm going, we'll catch up there. But good old Thomas, Thomas is one of the disciples. Thomas speaks up and Thomas does what most people don't do. Thomas doesn't assume. Thomas just doesn't nod like he understands. But Thomas is open and honest with Jesus at the moment. And in reality, he speaks up for the disciples. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, if we dig into our our, our Bible um, understanding, Christ has been very transparent with the disciples up to this point. He tells them in John 6.35 that he's the bread of life. He tells them in John 8, 12, he's the light of the world. He tells them in John 10, he is the gate for the sheep and the good shepherd. He tells them in John 11 that he's the resurrection and the life. So all this whole time, Christ has been telling the disciples who he is. In other words, I'm holding on because Christ knows where I'm going. And Christ is arguing with Thomas, you're saying that you don't know, but you really should know because you've had a front row seat to me doing things in your life. You had a front row seat to all the miracles and all the wonders and all the deliverances of other people. So this issue with Thomas is not an issue of sin or issue of disobedience, but it's really a lack of perception of who Christ is. So much so that Thomas and the other disciples can't see that Christ is their access to eternal life. And holding on to them, uh, holding on to Christ is really holding on to the promise of a better day. And so often we have a relationship with Jesus. We have a relationship with God. And then when the next level or that next thing or holding on to get to that next place poses itself in front of us, instead of saying, God, we're ready. We say, Jesus, we need some more information. And not because we're trying to be extra or not because we're trying to be um, combative, but I I believe it's because we have errantly taken into account what God has already done in our lives and we don't have the proper perspective of his presence. And as God begins to move in our lives and poses a question that challenges our faith and our relationship with him, we often have a moment of deep introspection and ask ourselves, did I miss it? Did I miss what Christ was trying to show me? Did I misinterpret those moves of God in my life so much so when Jesus is giving me a new opportunity, I can't see the new opportunity because when the other opportunities were there, I misinterpreted them for what they were not. Let me give you some examples. I I held on because God healed my body, but I misread the blessing God sent and I thought the healing was a get out of eating right card. And I didn't see his grace pushing me to take care of my temple. 
Or I held on because God sent the unseen financial blessing, but I misread the move of God and thought the unseen financial help was a reason to keep shopping. And not a sign for me to have a springboard for my savings or to begin investing. I held on and God saved our relationship from destruction. But we misread this reprieve and we thought we could just keep going along and get along instead of both of us getting real help. And then our relationship issues became worse. I held on and God got me out of that less jam, but I thought that I could keep on living in disobedience and I missed out on the fact that this was God's way of pointing me toward a better relationship with him and with my purpose for my life. I misinterpreted my gift and I thought it was only supposed to be used on Sunday. I missed and I thought the storm that God sent was for punishment but and not to shake people out of my life that I didn't need. I missed the portion of my life that I was placed on a pedestal and I had a chance to see over the valley and it was time to build and expand and cast vision. And I wasted it. But here's the shout. Here's the reason why we can hold on. Here's the reason that you can say, okay, pastor, stop beating me up. Because it's not so much that I'm holding on because I know Christ. I'm holding on because Jesus knows me. Jesus knew their faults. Jesus knew their shortcomings. Jesus knew enough about them to know that he needed to encourage them. He needed to keep them. He need to let them know it was going to be all right. Jesus knows about you, the real you. The one nobody else sees. Tears that you cry, the fears that you have, the sins that you commit. He knows all about it. He knows all about the tough times. He knows all about not your faithlessness, but your worry that arose away at the faith that you have. He's saying, I'm going this way. I've already done these things in your life and I need you to trust me now. I need you to hold on to me now. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I need you to hold on to me now. I'm willing to bless you, but I need you to hold on to me now. I know what the world is telling you about how you should live and how you should go and how you should conduct yourself, but that is not the plan I have for your life. That is not the way I want you to go. When Christ says, as I look to close our podcast together, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. It's, it's not a term of arrogance or exclusivity. It is an exclusive claim, but Christ is really trying to let us know that he's our best option. The reason why you can hold on despite what you know or in spite of what you're seeing the reason why even though we misinterpret a season and we still can receive love and another shot is because of the existence of Jesus and his willingness to be the best option for our lives. Our own strength can get us but so far. Our own capacity can take us but such a distance. But Jesus, the son of God, is our best option. I'm not here to judge your living or your style, your swag or lack thereof. But in order for your best life to be lived, in order for your purpose to be fulfilled, 
I know you for you to operate fully in the gifts God has placed in your life and for new gifts to be unlocked in order for you to be a blessing to God and to others. You've got to take advantage of a relationship with Jesus. If you don't know him, please take today to get to know him. Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus died for you. Accept him into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. And God will give you the strength to hold on. Even in COVID, to hold on. Even when it's not fair, hold on. Even amid racial unrest, to hold on. I didn't say stick your head in the sand. I didn't say not to protest. I didn't say not to plan. I didn't say not to do any of those things. But some of us are fighting not with doing that, but just letting go of life. I'm trying to encourage you today. Hold on. In spite of what you know. Hold on. Christ knows. He knows where you're headed. You know where he knows where you've been. And he loves you so much. Now hold on. Jesus is your best option. Listen, this has been Pastor Hicks for the Pastor Hicks, po- Pastor Hicks Podcast. PHP for short. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining. Stay tuned. Next week we'll have another one. And I'll keep them coming as long as the Lord allows. Thank you for those who were listening previously. I'm back. Let your friends know. Send this out on all platforms. And don't forget to check out Resurgence Church. We're on Facebook every Sunday at 1115. Um, And we're here to rise, renew, and rebuild. Thanks so much for your time. This has been Pastor Hicks Podcast.